Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm Claire Navarro. In today's podcast, we return to our series on religion and politics. Our guest today is James Gibson. I'm uh, Professor James Gibson. I'm in the political science department at Washington University in St. Louis. One of Gibson's many areas of research focuses on political tolerance, or the idea of putting up with that with which you disagree. Gibson joined Hold That Thought to talk about the relationship between religion and tolerance. Those who study political tolerance have long looked at the role of religion in uh, the creation of a political intolerance, uh, going back really to the first major study of intolerance, which was in 1954, conducted by a sociologist named Sam Stauffer. In general, social scientists have found that people who are more religious tend to be less politically tolerant. Though, as we'll hear in a bit, this does not mean that faith or belonging to a religious group causes people to be intolerant. And I should note that we're not talking about tolerating Republicans, Democrats, or other mainstream groups. In my work, which really has been conducted all around the world, a lot in the former Soviet Union, a lot in South Africa, a lot in the U.S., in all of those contexts, we're looking at fringe groups. I assume that uh, Democrats and uh, Republicans have uh, no difficulty in this country getting their views heard by others. It's people on the fringes who have uh, difficulties, um, who require uh, the tolerance. And that may take us everywhere from the Ku Klux Klan to atheists to uh, neo-Nazis to uh, communists, etc. At this point, you might be thinking, like I did, that it seems kind of normal to not want to tolerate groups like the Ku Klux Klan or other groups that are explicitly racist or offensive. So I asked Dr. Gibson to just take a quick step back and help us understand why political tolerance is so important, even for groups like these. I've worked on this problem of intolerance for 35 years, so I could give you a very, very, very long answer to your question. But let me give a short one. And that is, would I prefer to eradicate the Ku Klux Klan? You bet I would. Would I prefer for the government to do it? Not in the least, because after they get the Klan, they'll go after the communist. And after they go after the communist, they'll go after the atheist. And after they go after the atheist, they'll go after the professors. The point is that the ability to selectively excise unpopular ideas from a society is not very good. And we know that. We know that from McCarthyism. We know that from the Red Scares. So we've established that even, or especially when talking about fringe groups, political intolerance is a problem. So what causes it, and how is this related to religion? The number one cause of intolerance in all places, under all circumstances, is uh, the perception of threat from one's political enemies. Now, the question then becomes, are religious people more threatened by their enemies than uh, not? One hypothesis is that religious people are more willing than non-religious people to clearly differentiate between good and evil. 
If the world is black and white, not gray, then ideas with which a person disagrees would seem more threatening. Earlier research backs up this line of thinking. There's an interesting study in the 1970s by some sociologists who found that people who believe in God are no more or less tolerant than people who don't believe in God. But people who believe that the devil actually exists are much more intolerant than people who don't believe the devil exists. So I take that to be uh, suggestive of the hypothesis that if you see the world is really made up of good and bad, evil is out there uh, stalking around in the form of the devil and, and others, then you have to be vigilant. Then one is always on guard. One is often threatened by one's political enemies. This view of the world as black and white, good and evil, can be seen as a form of dogmatism. And Gibson's work suggests that it's this dogmatism, rather than religious belief, that can create intolerance. In more recent studies, rather than rely on the question about the devil, Gibson uses four or five discrete measures. I'll give you an example of an item uh, that we use uh, to measure dogmatism. It's an agree-disagree question, and it's something like, of all the different philosophies in the world, there's probably only one that is correct. And you can see what that's doing is saying that there's truth and there's untruth, and there's not much uh, between those two. It's important to understand that though religion can overlap with dogmatic beliefs, one doesn't cause the other. Of course, many, many religious people don't think this way. People can believe in God and practice religion without separating the world into black and white. But this brings us to another possible link between religion and intolerance. Another hypothesis is that once you're part of any group identity, it's easier to have an us-versus-them mentality, in-group versus out-group. Gibson has found that this is not exactly true. I've written extensively on, on group identities around the world, and one of the things that I've uh, found is that identity per se is not pernicious. What I mean by that is uh, being strongly attached to a group does not necessarily generate antipathy toward outgroups. The misconception that those two go hand in hand is really widespread among political uh, psychologists and social psychologists. This isn't to say, however, that group identities never lead to intolerance. What makes group identities dangerous is the development of what I call collateral attitudes, and that is the belief that my group is threatened, my group uh, needs to uh, maintain solidarity, the world out there is dangerous and, and we have to uh, respond to it, and that uh, uh, groups are politicized. With this knowledge in hand, Gibson wanted to investigate the relationship between group religious identity and intolerance. It therefore became a natural uh, hypothesis to think that religious identities probably are not connected, not connected to intolerance, but when religious groups, when members of religious groups form certain collateral beliefs, those beliefs may activate a form of intolerance. And that's exactly what I found. Gibson wrote about these findings in a 2010 book chapter titled The Political Consequences of Religiosity. 
In the study, he also looked into the specific collateral beliefs that lead to intolerance. In uh, the case of this study, the, the beliefs that I'm talking about are uh, the beliefs that the world is a lot le uh, less better off for the demise of religion in public life. Now, I understand that variable to be a set of beliefs not about what I necessarily believe, but what I think you ought to believe. I further uh, understand uh, the answers to that question to be a willingness to project religious beliefs onto a public uh, space. So in this study, Gibson supported the idea that those who are more willing to claim public space for religious ideas are more intolerant. Instead of intolerance being connected to the religious ideas themselves or what you believe, it's what you want other people to believe. And so one can uh, believe in, in God. One can be a strong um, adherent of one's religious group. And that's not necessarily a productive of intolerance. But once one takes on these additional beliefs and believes that the world must conform, be it to a Jewish beliefs or Islamic beliefs or Christian beliefs or Buddhist beliefs or whatever, once one uh, adopts that viewpoint, intolerance can easily materialize. And that's what this study found. Many thanks to James Gibson for contributing to Hold That Thought. For more from our series on religion and politics and many more ideas to explore, please visit holdthatthought.wustl.edu.